Welcome back. We're talking hockey. This is the crease part of the house call sports brand where we talk all things hockey. It's always about hockey, the hardest, most hard hitting sport in the world. I'm talking hockey right now. It is a great time to be back here with my boy Ian and Gage. Big things happening in hockey, big things to cover. And obviously we're going to get into all the major storylines. But first, I want to give a big shout out to some of our sponsors. Sponsor of this episode is one of our affiliates. That is StubHub. At StubHub, you can get sports, theater, and music tickets. Whatever you want to go to see, as low as $6. Use our affiliate link. Help support the brand. Go to StubHub. Go see some professional sports. Do whatever you can in your area. We are proud to have StubHub as an affiliate. If you want to check out our other affiliates, you can go to that page scrolling below. That is our affiliates page. All of our affiliates are listed there. That includes sportsmemorabilia.com and FuboTV. Now, as part of the house call and the crease, we want to send our thoughts to the Ovechkin family. Obviously, Alex Ovechkin is out indefinitely with the passing of his father. It was reported that he was going to be out indefinitely uh, for a family issue. That family issue turns out the passing of his father. Obviously, no, we never want to see a family member or you know anyone uh, pass away, and it's going to be tough on them, especially for uh, Alex and his family. So our thoughts are with the Ovechkin family here at the house call, and you know, obviously, we hope they make it through this tri- trying time, and Ovechkin's able to get back to the ice and uh, you know be with his teammates to support him there. So best to the Ovechkin family, and our thoughts are with you. From another hockey situation here. Obviously, there's injuries all the time, and that is no exception for the Avalanche defenseman, Eric Johnson, going to miss multiple weeks with a broken foot. Obviously, this is not something the Avalanche wanted to see here. You know, they're trying to defend their Stanley Cup title. They've had their their hiccups this season. There's been a lot of a lot of problems going on in a lot of teams, and obviously, injury bug finds its way around everybody. But, you know, Gage, I want to start with you. Uh, how do you see this affecting the Avalanche moving forward, especially now that we're past the All-Star break? Uh, well... The Avalanche currently sitting in a wild card, uh, fighting for a playoff spot. And we're getting onto the second half of the season now. Eric Johnson's been a staple on the defensive line for years for the Avs. So he's a big presence back down there. And that's a huge hit to take because he's definitely been one of the guys for years going through Stanley Cup and playoff experience as well. So taking that away from that team that's fighting for that spot is going to be a huge impact in the second half of the season for multiple weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's you're talking about you know being in the wild card. You know, that's a hard fought thing to keep hold on to right now. We've we've looked at a lot of the the playoff seedings recently, and uh, you know, losing a, a key member of your defensive line there, uh, and, and Johnson. That's and especially for multiple weeks. That's not something you can have happen. This is not a good time to have that happen at all. And Ian, I'm going to ask you, man, do you see the Avalanche not making the playoffs this year if Eric Johnson doesn't get back in time? I don't. I think the Avalanche make the playoffs without Johnson, but it's a definitely a huge loss. Like Gage said, he's been a staple on their blue line for a number of years now. Longest tenure to have in history, and he means a lot to that team. He's a glue guy in the locker room and a glue guy on the ice. You need those guys out there for you, and Johnson is an excellent defensive defenseman. He's not going to put up the crazy numbers of a Kale McCarr, but he is solid in the back in the back end, in his own end, and with the Aval- the season the Avalanche are having, just clinging to, uh, like H said, the wild card spot uh, in a very tight Western Conference, very tight Central Division, uh, that could that could hamper them and could hamper them in the standings, especially with the season they've had with all their injuries. So look for them going forward. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a huge it's a huge hit, obviously. And like I said, I mean, the wild card, that's not an easy place to make a run from. You know, there's very few teams that have made a run from the wild card and, and reached the Stanley Cup finals, let alone, you know, try to repeat. Uh, you know, so it's going to be a big deal for them. And hopefully he's able to come back and, and help them get to where they want to be. But it's definitely a huge loss. Speaking of uh, something that's that's going on, though, we've seen a number of extensions lately and a lot of them have been in the eight year range. And this is just another one. The Kings have extended defenseman Mikey Anderson, eight years, average four point one two five million dollars a year. I mean, what is up with all these eight-year extensions? It seems every single one of them is is too many years, too much money, uh, and this just seems like another one that kind of falls in this that suit. I mean, the money's a little lower than what we were seeing for some of the other eight years. You know, those guys were in the seven to eight million a year. Uh, he's obviously in, in the low fours, but this is still a huge, very lengthy extension uh, that we're seeing to be more commonplace in uh, in hockey these days. Um, really yeah like you said um it's in my opinion the term's a little bit too long the money may be about right for what anderson brings decent offensively not going to put up anything too impressive but a good defensive defenseman um anderson's only 23 so this contract will carry him through his prime years which is what i think la's goal was you're not seeing these three or four year bridge contracts as much anymore dallas um but uh (laughs) you're seeing guys getting locked up long-term, and I think that's what uh, these teams want to do. Anderson's going to be 31 when this contract ends, and I think the, like I said, I think the money's fair. Term's a little long, especially for the game he brings. Gage, what are your thoughts? Uh, um, I think this is just the way the hockey's moving, that they're trying to lock in these young players to huge long-term, not that financially lucrative contracts, to take them through their prime years now. And I don't know how this is going to shape how the NHL and how teams are stacked up and how trades will go in the future. But it's definitely becoming more commonplace to have these huge, huge contracts, term-wise, not so much money-wise, that are just locking these players down for almost their entire careers at this point. Yeah, I mean, and you think about it too, like, you know, there's going to have to be some reworks or something because, you know, if Mikey Anderson, some, you know, is suddenly a, a boom guy, you know, he just comes out and he's, he's you know, at the top, you know, in, at his position and starts doing things, you know, that are going to be a, a, a higher value term, you know, reworks, things like that. I, I think that, you know, these long-term contracts are team friendly, but they're not player friendly. And that's a big problem that I, I think that, you know, some of these younger guys are going to get into that, you know, $4.125 million sounds great per year until you find out, you know, four years from now that you're playing at like an $8 million level and you're being underpaid because <laughs> you sign an eight year contract, you know, so it's a big, it's a big deal. Um, and I think that, you know, you, like you said, it's becoming more commonplace because you don't want to be in a situation where you're signing guys to three or four year deals and the market booms or they outperform that contract. And suddenly now you're you're playing, you know, Russian roulette on how much money you're going to have to spend them, i.e. David Pasternak and the Boston Bruins right now who try to get a deal worked out before the season started for an extension. And now they're looking like having to pay him like two to three million dollars more than they thought they were going to have to pay him annually just to keep him in a, in a Bruins uniform. So it's a huge huge deal to try to lock these guys up and like i said from a team perspective it's a win but from a player perspective i think that you know these this might be a quick you know you know like flash in the pan kind of contract kind of stuff because eventually the players are going to want these shorter deals 
to bet on themselves to make more money. And I think that, you know, you see that in a lot of other sports and it's only a matter of time before it comes to hockey. But okay. Now this is something that I wanted to talk about. And it's a rather interesting thing with all the extensions going on, trade deadlines approaching. There are some big names being shopped right now. I mean, Jacob Chitrin and uh, Vladislav uh, Garakov are being held out by their teams so they don't risk injury or anything like that as trade bait because there is major trade interest in them. Then you got Timo Meyer and Tyler uh, Bertuzzi and Patrick Kane who are still playing for their teams but have been in the talks of being major trade pieces and we're waiting for these dominoes to drop. And I'm going to start with, with Chitrin. Gage, where do you see Jacob Chitrin playing by the trade deadline? Uh, it won't be in an Arizona Coyotes uniform. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> That's first and, for, first and foremost. He would not be in a Coyotes uniform going past that trade deadline. Uh, where I think he's going to go is his potential landing spots or a trade or one of the teams making like that playoff push, that wildcard push. I, I would look for the Avalanche, especially with Eric Johnson getting hurt. Uh, I would look for them to go out and get a defenseman like Churn, who was uh, Coyotes' first pick in the 2016 draft. So he's still young and he's playing at a very high level. So he is perfect trade bait. Especially for one of these teams that are depth-wise weak at the blue line or fighting the injury bug, making that playoff push. Yeah, I mean, it, and you know, this isn't the first time he requested a trade. If I'm not mistaken, last year or, or during the offseason, it was not fulfilled. They held on to him, and now they're shopping him again. It's like you know, if he requests a trade, you're, the value's not higher than at the very moment that you want to get rid of somebody. And I think that they, the Coyotes, saw he wanted out. And they probably did get, receive some calls, but it was lower than what they were willing to part ways with him for. They, by by controlling him and, and trading on their terms, the Coyotes have now made it more uh, lucrative to get a return back for Chitron by doing that. And I think, like you said, it, it doesn't matter where he's going to be playing, but it definitely will not be in an Arizona Coyotes uniform. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Ian, I want to go with you on this one because uh, you and I talked about this prior to uh, this episode uh, starting and uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, where is he going to be by trade deadline? What do you, what are your thoughts? Um, I think he'll end up getting traded to a Western conference team. And if the Kings don't make a move for Jacob Chikrin, I think the Oilers are a team to watch. The Oilers desperately need defensive help. They don't have the type of defensive defenseman that you need. If you're going to go far in the playoffs, Bouchard is having a down year, as compared to last year, Darnell Nurse isn't as good this year. Tyson Berry is a hole on defense. You know what you get out of him offensively, but they don't have that type of guy. And I think him going to Edmonton to plug that hole in their top four would be perfect for him. They've, they've had rumors surrounding Eric Carlson being traded there. I don't think that's a good solution for them. That would just provide more offense. I think Gavrikov is the type of player you need up in Edmonton. I mean, the, truly, though, you think about it, it's like if you can't play good defense, you better be able to outscore everyone you play. And so getting more offense isn't exactly a bad thing. But at the same time, like I said, you know, the best the best offense is a good defense. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like if you need defense, go get a guy like Gafrikov. I mean, that's going to fill a major spot for them. And it's like you said, you can't make a deep run unless you have some defensive play. I mean, that's the one thing I feel about all sports is that, you know, it's fine to have a lot of offense during the regular season. But defense wins championships. That 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 phrase right there, that is a no shit, plug it in. That is how it is done every sport. It is you it is a you just 
applies to every sport. Works perfectly every time. Defense wins championships, and that's what they need there. Gage, I'm going to go back to you. Uh, Timo Meyer, you know, he's been he's uh, been shopped around. There's a lot of rumors flying around right now that he may not be in the uniform he currently wears on the ice, and he could be going somewhere else. So where do you see Timo Meyer being at by the trade deadline? Uh, that I don't foresee him, unless the price is higher than what they want. I don't see him really moving. But there's rumors mill around him is swirling. Um, I look again one of those teams that need that advantage and need more offense. Will look for him, but I don't think with especially which we'll get into the trades that have been happening for offensive players and teams that are making that playoff push and trying to stay relevant. I don't. I think it's already getting fulfilled, so the market for him is starting to thin out a little more. But there's, again, those teams fighting with injury bugs or looking for that plug-and-play like challenges uh, did with Bo Horvat last week, which I'm going to eat my words a little bit because Ian was right that they extended him for that <laughs> exactly what he said, that eight-year contract. Yeah. Um, so Told that one. <laughs> it might be a similar situation with that, but I don't foresee it. Unless the price is really right, I don't see him moving. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people feel like you know if team like if a team was going for a home run swing, all in on a championship, Timo Meyer would be the guy they would go after here. And you know, uh, like you said, we're going to get into uh, someone making a home run swing here in a little bit. But we're going to move on to the next player on our list right here, who's had some trade deadline stuff swirling around. Ian, what have you heard on Tyler Bertuzzi? Uh. Basically, what everybody's been saying is like the Red Wings are currently shopping Bertuzzi, looking to sell at the deadline. They're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. Bertuzzi would definitely complement, uh, help complement a team's offense. I've heard teams like Toronto, Dallas, um, Vegas, who's in on everybody apparently, um, taking a swing on him. I could see that working out. I think Toronto's taking themselves out of the running with. Uh, the Ryan O'Reilly trade, which we'll get into later. Uh, their cap space is extremely limited. Um, maybe a team like Minnesota, they tend to like those guys. They like that's a Ryan Hartman, Jordan Greenway type of player. And I feel like he might excel in that lineup because that's maybe the same type of player. Um, another team, maybe the Kings or the Oilers. So I really don't know. Where Bertuzzi goes, he may end up staying in Detroit for another year, but he's a guy that's been shopped around for the last three seasons, it feels like. So just watch for him at the deadline. I mean, yeah, eventually he's going to sell, right? I mean, if he's consistently on the shelf, someone is eventually going to take that puppy home, all right? Like, it's got to happen. Unless his name's Matt Dumba. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But, I mean, it's got to happen eventually. I think that, you know, you can only shop a player so for so long before they themselves want out. And that's the problem that the, I think the Red Wings are going to find themselves in here really soon. If they continue trying to put his name out there that sooner or later, he's just going to want to leave in general. And I think that that is what's going to, that's going to drive the price down. They're just going to have to eventually take what they can get. If it's what's holding them up is the price of what someone's <clears> willing to offer. They're eventually just going to take what they can get. Otherwise he's just going to walk away from the team in general anyway. But now we're going to get into one of the bigger names. And we've been talking about this guy for probably the last couple of episodes here because he has a no trade clause in his contract. And that is Patrick Kane. Now, obviously Patrick Kane wanted to go to the Rangers 
and you know he's he was very adamant about wanting to go to the rangers and ultimately some things ended up going on there he hesitated and the rangers were like you know we're gonna go somewhere else and that's what they did and so now he's left out in the cold he's still on a on a abysmal blackhawks team and their blackhawks are looking to be full sellers as well but i've heard a lot of rumors about patrick kane possibly going you know there's vegas is on the list. Uh, I've heard of the Kings being interested and the Oilers being interested in Patrick Kane. And so my, my question to both of you guys is which one out of those three, do you think Patrick Kane ends up playing for by the trade deadline? Uh, well, I'm going to throw in a curveball here. Other than those three, I would look at the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Patty Kane's a bum Buffalo, New York native. And he might want to go home. Like he was saying, he want to go back to the Rangers, stay closer to home uh, in the late stages of his career. But Buffalo, for the first time in a lot of years, is now in that position where they could use Patrick Kane for the offensive help. And they're right there. They're two points out of that last spot in the East. They're about to push out the Penguins, who are currently losing to the Devils right now. So that would propel the Sabres if they win. To that final spot and Patrick Kane would be a huge piece for that push but out of those three things I think LA needs LA Kings need Patrick Kane and his offensive help the most they are the only playoff team right now with a huge negative goal differential and they need to make up that ground any way they can absolutely and that's why I think the uh, the Kings are maybe a front runner you know obviously it's completely the opposite direction of uh home <laughs> in that regard you know because you're going from oh I want to be in New York oh, I'm going to go play in California but yeah I mean from a pure team need I'm with you on the Kings I think that's a really really one of the teams is is why they're being brought up Ian what about you man you think the Kings are the front runner to land Patrick King or do you have another dark horse like the Sabres uh that Gage brought up I don't think it's going to be the Kings uh I don't think they need more offensive help. I think if you, I think they're in the market for a goalie more than anything. So maybe a name like Thatcher Demko goes to the Kings. Um, in my opinion, maybe a team like Tampa Bay or Dallas. Um, I've seen Dallas brought up in trade rumors. They certainly have the prospect pool to do it. They could throw in for Patrick Kane. They could throw in Dennis Gurionov. Uh, prospect Maverick Bork a good center prospect that's in high demand and a first round pick and a second potentially Tampa Bay the other team like Tampa Bay went to the Chicago well last year they got Brandon Hagel who has 46 points this year 22 of which are goals uh if you uh add Kane to that roster your right side your right wings are Nikita Kucherov and Patrick Kane uh, Kane wouldn't have to play that number one star role. He'd be in a support role, which honestly at this point in his career might be better for him. So if Tampa Bay, the one thing with them is the salary cap. If they can make a trade, move out some salary, have Chicago retain a little bit. Um, I think Kane's contract is up at the end of this year, so it would probably be a pure rental. But uh, yeah, watch for Tampa going forward and uh, maybe a team like Edmonton. Yeah, the, the Oilers are, are are 
right there with it. I, I think Dallas has been a, a big rumor recently around Patrick Kane. But like you said, uh, you know, they'd have to give up a lot for that. Uh, Tampa Bay, you know, they're trying to win a, win a, a Stanley, you know, getting a Patrick Kane on like, you know, your second line to be, you know, that backup, you know, not so much of a, as a number one guy, but to really just kind of play loose and free and, and kind of play his game because he doesn't have to carry an entire team. That would be perfect for them. And I think that would really, you know, put them as a front runner uh, for as, as far as Stanley cup odds, because I mean, you know, that one, two line would be insane with, with those two guys on the right side. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if he is moved. I mean, obviously, you know, he has the power. He can decide where he goes. It doesn't matter what someone, you know, the Blackhawks could get the greatest deal in the world. And he, all he's got to say is no, you know, and I think that it's really up to him where he wants to go and is really going to come down to that. But yeah, Patrick Kane, uh, Timo Meyer, Jacob Chitron, Tyler Bertuzzi, Vladislav Gavrikov. Those are all big names coming up. Heading into March right now, we're probably about two, a little over two weeks away from uh, the trade deadline coming to a close. So be on the lookout. There will be some names moving. And I'm telling you right now, the entire NHL landscape could be shifted in one direction or another by the time the first week of March comes around. Now, let's talk about a trade that has already happened. And this is this to me is the full example of one team completely buy, trying to buy a championship, full buy-in, and one team saying – we it's time to rebuild and we're going to full sell get as many picks as we can and go. And that is the, that is the three team trade that involved Toronto acquiring Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari from St. Louis and St. Louis, once again, shipping out more names off of that, off those lines and out of that team and just getting more picks. Cause after the, we talked about this earlier, after the Tarasenko trade, it became clear that St. Louis was a full sell. And they are doing what I, I preach to every team, that if you're full sell mode, it's time to full sell. And St. Louis is 100% following it to the T, full sell. Anyone that can go will go. It is a full fire sell in St. Louis. But let's go ahead and talk about what Toronto got in this. Because this is Toronto's like, hey, we're going for a Stanley. This is We're going full, full push, right? The, the Maple Leafs are going for a championship. They're going for a Stanley Cup. Now they got Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari, and they're they're pretty much similar from from a point standpoint. Noel Achari accounted for 18 points so far this year, and Ryan O'Reilly accounted for 19 points this year. Both of them are currently having the worst plus minus of their careers. I think uh, Ryan O'Reilly has a minus 24, and Noel Achari has a minus six. Now, you know, minus six is tied for Noel Achari's worst plus minus of his career for one season, and Ryan O'Reilly is one is one uh, goal or is one you know plus minus. Uh, lower than his career low for a season, which was negative 23. So they're obviously having bad years, but I don't think this is indicative of two bad players. I think Toronto's getting two really good guys who are coming from a really bad team. St. Louis has not looked good this year, and I think they're getting something really good. But Gage, I'm going to start with you. Does this make Toronto one of the favorites for the Stanley Cup? Uh, No. First of all, straight answer, no. They have that demon out in the East called the Boston Bruins that they can't get by. Year in, year out, and the Bruins are putting together a historic season at this point. They have 87 points through 50 games, 52 games, and we still have 30 games left in the season. They could pull off 130-point season as a team right now. And, like, this may not have been the season to try and buy in going against a juggernaut that's coming out. Because uh, that's their main competition, divisionally and playoff-wise. Every year and year out, and that rivalry is real for a reason. 
Um, Ryan O'Reilly, getting Ryan O'Reilly is huge. He had a C on his chest in St. Louis for a reason. Big locker room guy, has a lot of experience, big body, plays very physical. And he has had a down year, but it is a very bad St. Louis who he's coming from. So he's going to give you grindy minutes. And the depth in Toronto is insane now, especially at the center position. So he doesn't, he can play a third line, big body center that has experience and get probably 10 plus minus playing on Toronto before the year's out. So I don't see the plus minus being a big issue. And I think Toronto has moved themselves up in competition, but it's going to be a real rough going forward still. Yeah, I mean, the Bruins have been putting on just a clinic as far as is how to play hockey and how to play winning hockey this year. Uh, obviously, you know, there is the the curse of the President's Trophy, which we're not going to get into. Me as a Bruins fan, I don't want to bring it up. Knock on wood. We'll go ahead and do that right now. I don't need that kind of heartbreak <laughs> in my life, okay? But, I mean – like you said, I mean, depending on how Toronto, how they the the playoff bracketing works out, you know, Toronto might not see them for a decent period of time. There's a chance that they don't run into them right off the bat, you know, so they could kind of you know work their way up. But yeah, the Bruins are clearly the number one favorite right now. But I think Toronto sees themselves from a depth piece now as being able to keep up with them, and I think that's one of the problems that Toronto's had in the past couple of years, especially getting past the Bruins. The Bruins have never really had like true all-star killers. I mean, they've always had the Marchand, Pasternak, Bergeron lines going out there and just dominating, but they've always had really good depth, and I think that Toronto has always struggled with their like third and fourth lines being able to keep up with what Boston puts on the ice, and I think they're looking at these, you know, Achari and O'Reilly as the guys who are going to be able to, to help them kind of balance that playing field with, from a depth standpoint. And I think, like I said, hockey depth is probably one of the most important – depth is the most important thing in hockey, I think, outside of finding that number one guy, realistically. Because, I mean, you think about how often these guys cycle through, who's on the ice, how, who gets back, how, how, you know, how much chemistry has to happen between these lines. I think the depth portion of it is it's probably one of the biggest portions of hockey. So this is a huge deal for Toronto. But, Ian, I want to go ahead and ask you something here. You know, do you see Toronto possibly making a run now, you know, with these guys? I mean, do you, do you think that they have the depth to, to keep up with maybe like a Boston Bruin or, or a Tampa Bay? I think they have the pieces. Ryan O'Reilly's fantastic, and he's come in to play a third-line center role, shutdown center, which is what he's been in his whole career. The points are kind of a bonus for him, and he's been really, really good at that too. But you bring him in for a defensive role, that's what he's good at. He's won the Selkie Trophy, which is awarded to the best defensive player in the National Hockey League before. Um, obviously, he hasn't had as good of a season, but I think that's more indicative of the kind of year that St. Louis is having, which is affecting both his and Achari's numbers. So I think that really helps them and puts them in position to be a contender. Now, whether they can make a push for three rounds or seven games, we don't know. Uh, we haven't seen him yet, but I think this move and the Achari move definitely helps him. I think people sleep on Nolachari being added to that deal because Nolachari is a fantastic, def- uh, fantastic bottom six forward. Achari was on that Bruins team that went to the Cup final in 2019. He has a 20 goal season on his resume in 2019-20 with the Panthers. That's not the type of player he is, and I don't think it's the type of player he's going to be. He's just a very solid, hardworking physical player and physicality is something Toronto has sorely lacked for years. Strong defensive team, strong offensive team. They don't have the physicality to match Tampa. And I think that's kind of what, um, I think that's kind of what hurt them last year against the lightning. Um, 
is that they could not compete physically with them, and they got out goaltended. So they've upgraded that position, but uh, I really don't think they're going to win a cup this year. I don't think they get past round two. Um, if they run into Boston, they could give them a run for their money. I don't think Boston wins the cup this year either. I have another team from the East winning it. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my coming take at on me, it. man. You're coming at hey, me. It's man. nothing personal. I just think Carolina's stars a couple games ago. Doesn't mean you got to come at me, all right? Okay, I don't need. I'm not kinda, coming at you. I just think Carolina's better. I think really, you think Carolina's better? Okay, okay. I would okay. rather bet on my Devils over Carolina coming out of the East. Oh, the lack of playoff experience that team has. No Carolina's, Carolina's ground, good, man. but. I mean, New Jersey's good and they're fast, but Carolina can shut you down and then put up. They they'll beat you three nothing every night. That's that's what I've seen with them all season. Now, there's going to be some good playoff hockey, man. That's all I'm here. The Eastern Conference playoff playoffs hockey. are going to be fantastic this year. Oh, absolutely fantastic. It's an arms race in the East. Oh, completely, completely. Really? Now we're going to talk about a guy that we were t- we brought the Selkie Trophy and who won who you know uh, with uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to bring up uh, Patrice Bergeron's uh, Selkie Trophy and all those kind of things he's got going on for him and how many times he's finished, uh, you know, runner-up or won the damn thing. But we're going to talk about the Hart Trophy right now and the guy who is currently leading the race, Connor McDavid, just reached 100 points. And he has been the favorite pretty much all year for the Hart Trophy. And so does this pretty much lock it up for Connor McDavid, that he's going to have the Hart Trophy. Is there anyone who can challenge him? You guys got any, got any names? Because I, I honestly don't think so. I think I think Connor McDavid no. is going to get the Hart Trophy. It's he's taking it home. You don't. I don't even think we need to wait for the award ceremony in June. You just give it to the guy now because he has been dominating on the ice. Doesn't matter who he's playing against. Doesn't matter who's on the ice with him. Connor McDavid is that guy, and I just don't see anybody else being able to catch him. I'm just gonna say I would be shocked if at the end of the year anyone other than his name is on that trophy. Yeah, I, 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 point. Yeah, I mean, I, I did find a, a Bleacher report. It was like these are the top names, like David Posternock was number four, and it was funny that. And the, the best part about the article I read on this, right, was that they spent like literally a paragraph or two explaining why every single one of them was like a top ten candidate for the Hart Trophy, and then number one was Connor McDavid, and the first sentence was write it in pen. Chisel it in stone, stamp it on steel. Connor McDavid is good. <laughs> is going to be the MVP in the NHL in 2022-2023. So I it's mean, not it, even close. No, it's not. I mean, it's, it's not it's, even it's, close unless Eric Carlson can drag the Sharks to the playoffs with a 120-point season. Spoiler: It's not happening. Uh, Connor <laughs> McDavid's going to win the Hart Trophy, and I don't think it's close. He's the best yeah. player we've seen. I'd argue since Gretzky. I think he's better than Crosby. I think his defensive game's underrated. And I really think, like, this is a once... The term generational talent is used kind of loosely. Connor McDavid is not just a once-in-a-generation talent. He's a a once-in-a-multi-generation talent. So uh, this won't be the last one for him. Um, And he's the best player, personally, that I've ever seen. So, yeah, this it's his year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy is dominating, and, he, and he's he's just killing it. And I just don't see any any way. If he does not get the Hart Trophy, it is a damn travesty, and we need to riot. 
all NHL fans, there's not a lot of us out there, you know, but we would all riot. <laughs> That's a mediocre is... Oilers team that he's carrying to the playoffs. Yeah. And Literally, like, pack him in a suitcase, takes him everywhere with them. <laughs> I seed in the, in the playoffs, too. Yeah, like, exactly. They're not just being a wild card here. <laughs> they have the worst goaltending I've seen since the 2016 Stars. The, and he's him and Dreisaitl are carrying that team to almost third place in the Pacific Division. So, yeah, if he doesn't get it, it's it's just a shame. Edmonton would have to be wiped off the face of the face of the map for him not to get this trophy at the end of the year. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I mean, it's it's going there. It's the the you heard it here. McDavid's bringing the the Hart Trophy back to Edmonton. That's where it's going to be at. But I want to talk about something. Uh, we're going to talk about something I thought was really cool. And uh, I brought this up to you guys. Do, are any of you watching uh, the HBO series Last of Us? Yep. Caught up. Caught up. Are you caught up, Ian? I haven't started it? it. I've been busy. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not going to – no spoilers then. No spoilers here on the crease, so I promise. We'll put a disclaimer. No spoilers. There will be no spoilers here. But uh, Kayvon Woodard is a actor in The Last of Us. Uh, he is a – he is deaf. And he, he plays a deaf character in The Last of Us. But that's not what we're talking about here. I and mean, we're talking about it. But we're talking about that he is not only an actor. He is also a very good hockey player. Like, very good hockey player. And you to think about that, to be deaf in a game where communication is key and you can't really always trust your eyes because things are moving very fast. He is a very good hockey player. And, you know, his coach has said he's one, he's one of the best skaters, scorers, and puck handlers on the team. He is an absolute – he's just really, really good. And I think it is an incredible thing to be very, very good at a sport where you have a disadvantage. Because you can't hear anyone coming up on you. You can't hear – no one can talk to you. You have to literally use your eyes for everything. And this kid is absolutely dominating – in his division right now, right? And the best part about it is, is that the hockey team that he plays on, oh, yeah, they use the Bruins B, baby. They use the Bruins B on the jersey, so I'm even happier, man. I'm even happier with it, okay? He plays for a team over in Maryland. They have the, you know, the Maryland flag, and he's got a nice Boston Bruins B on the jersey. I could not be happier. And I'm telling you right now, if you haven't seen or read this article, ESPN went ahead and came out that they talked about this, you know, and how good he is at hockey and how much of a, just a feel good story it is. This is why hockey is a great sport. All right. Stories like this are just what makes hockey so great to me. All right. Like it is a great, great thing. And I don't know if you guys have looked into read the article or looked at anything on, on KB on or cave on Woodard, but this is a hell of a story a hell of a thing. And I just, I, I hope and pray. That, that he makes like sticks with hockey and we get to watch this kid come up through the ranks and everything like that, because as good, because as good as his coach says he is and as good as his team looks and everything and everything else is in this article, it would be an amazing thing to see this kid on the ice and just keep being good at, at hockey. Cause it'd be a great story. I don't know. But like I said, I don't know if you got, did you read the article gauge? I Ian? did read the article after you brought it up and yeah. I'm watching the show. So that was a cool thing. I didn't know until you brought it up that he was yeah. such a hockey fan, a hockey player. And then I dug deeper and he is very good on the ice. As you were saying, like hockey is not using your eyes because the speed at which, especially in higher levels that you go on the ice is insane. And he's doing it at not just a 
average level. He is a playing at a very high level for his age. Yeah, Which, he's an above-average hockey player for his age. I mean, it's <laughs> wild, man. Like, if the kid would toast me on skates. I mean, I have, I've only skated once in my life, and I, I've never done it with a, with a hockey stick. So he would definitely beat my ass <laughs> on the ice. You put, me, put me in that. I, I guarantee you he's he's shooting a puck for passing. Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing. Ian, did you read the article at all? Did you look up anything on him? I didn't, and I'm sorry I didn't. I'm going to check in on it after this and i will read that article but from what y'all are telling me that's nuts because not only do you have to use your eyes you also have to like hear too like you have to listen to your teammates your coach communicating to you so for him to be this good it's just astounding to me like it's just nuts what this kid's doing and all the best to him man like that's that's yeah. insane and i'm rooting for him i'm Absolutely. rooting for him i'll look i'll look into it I'll watch The Last of Us and I'll read that article, but he's got my support. Yeah, and, and it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, like just like you said, the amount of communication that goes on in hockey, right? And the amount of like understanding of everyone has to have on the team and, and like being able to like, you know, when to rotate on and off the ice, when to when to, you know, do do exchanges, you know, passes, things like that, get things rolling out there and be able to be able to only use your eyes and do it at a high level and be above average, you know, borderline, you know, really, really good in a sport that is so fast paced is absolutely incredible. And I would love, absolutely love to have lived in Maryland. I would go to this kid's games <laughs> just to see it because I am that in awe of what he does. But something we're not in awe of, and this is something we've brought up before, the Sinclair broad, Broadcast Group. Now, broad if you don't know what Sinclair, yeah, yeah, if you don't know what Sinclair Broadcast, yeah, Broadcast <laughs> Group, you got it stuck in me now. Group is Broadcast Group is they are behind Bali Sports Network. Now, Bali Sports Network bridges several sports and professional sports, and but it is primary it is a big, big part of the hockey broadcast for a lot of major sports teams in hockey. All right. They were filing for bankruptcy. They had debt payments to pay and, you know, everything looked like it was going to be on the up and up. They were going to get back. Everything was going to be okay. They missed their first payment, $140 million payment. They missed it. And, you know, I just love how these big companies can miss 100. Like, if I miss a rent payment, <laughs> my ass is on the street. All right. These guys have $140 million debt payment. And they're like, nah, you know. But the big problem here is, is that all of the big markets that they cover for all these sports, you know, that have signed contracts with them, they're losing finance finances here. They're losing income. Because they sign these TV deals. If if if, if Sinclair Broadcast, see, I can't I can't say it. Brock, I'm just gonna say Broadcast. They're Broadcast. If the Sinclair Group <laughs> files bankruptcy, this deal, those deals become null and void. They have to settle, which means that you end up having multiple NHL teams that don't get the amount of money that was agreed upon for the years that they signed. Like they, they lose out on these things. And so you're talking a major impact to major sports markets that suddenly 
are going to have this massive issue where they're not having finance, financial stuff coming in. I think I know L.A. is on there. The Kings are there, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, St. Louis is there. Uh, the Predators up in Nashville, just a, a stone throw for me. They go through Sinclair. I mean, there's a lot of widespread coverage here that suddenly isn't going to be having. So, A, you have fans not being able to watch their teams. You have, you know, the teams not get bringing in revenue, so they're going to have trouble staying where they're at. They have to struggle to find people to pick them up, and they're not going to get the revenue deals because it's going to be like a last-minute thing for them to find backup television stuff. And this is a huge, huge deal. And I don't think people are fully understanding just how important and impactful this is going to be because you're not talking just hockey. This is baseball. Some basketball teams go through them. I mean, you know, this is a huge, huge deal. And I think that, you know, as fans, we need to be more plugged into what's going on here because – you know, from a baseball standpoint, you know, sure, you can have the MLB network, but the problem is there is that blackout supply. So you're talking not only do you not get to watch your team on for the broadcasting stuff from the local channels because they're not being broadcast anymore. You also can't watch them on any subscriptions because you're local. They're blacked out. So you're automatically in this situation where, you know, these games are not going to be covered anymore. And you're just you're not going to be able to watch your your games. You're not going to be able to watch them. And I just, I don't know how you get here. And I mean, like as a Cubs fan, the Cubs used to be, were on CW for ages, right? They were, they were covered by CW for ages. Last year, they came out with their own broadcasting group, the Marquee Sports Network, right? And that's what they do now. But it's not, it's not carried by any major television, like cable, satellite. Like it's not carried anywhere else but in the Chicago area. So I can't watch my Cubs games unless I'm paying for MLB TV. <laughs> like, this is how it works. And this is what's going to happen. You're going to have to pay for an NHL subscription, for an NBA sports pass, you know, just to watch your games. And even then, I don't know if they'll be televised. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're if the group responsible for, for having commentators and, and, like, you know, video cameras and all this other stuff isn't there, is there even a product? to watch like do you even get to watch it because i don't think you do i mean if the team comes out with something which i mean that's being discussed but probably not those are probably going to disappear and Um, i've said it before go ahead gage uh sorry to touch you off i think like this hits the nhl harder than any other sports oh yeah oh 100 percent we're we're looking at like lockout number three in the last 20 years like, good Lord. we're staring it down the barrel because this affects the players' association. This affects union deals between teams and players because the revenue is just not going to be there. And yeah, salary think- cap. You're yeah. talking this has had major cap implications. You think about all these guys who just signed these big extensions, all these teams that are tied to the cap, things like that. You're talking like the the, the amount of turmoil that is about to happen in the NHL is is, is absolutely mind-boggling and like we said before you know it's a niche sport it does not have the fan base of say like a super bowl right like we were just talking like you know the the stanley cup got 4.8 million views that's how many the average viewership for the stanley cup last year was 4.8 million the super bowl got 115 hell rihanna's halftime show had 118 million people tune in all right like like so in comparison they're less than four percent of the viewership of an of a super bowl and that's for the biggest game in hockey. All right. 
So not having this available, it's a massive, like you said, it's massive. It's huge. And you're talking about the potential of a lockout. This is a real thing, people. This is a real possibility of a, of a lockout due to financial repercussions of a, of a major broadcasting group going bankrupt. And yeah. if that's not, if, that, if that's not real for you, and you're like, oh, they're they're millionaires. They 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 make enough money. I like watching my sports. I'm okay with them making millions of dollars, man. I like watching professional hockey. I like watching professional football, professional baseball, professional basketball. I don't give a shit what they're paid. That's all because you know the TV deals. Because I watch, and I'm okay with that. All right, I'm okay with that. I just want to watch my sports. <laughs> and as a fan, I'm very upset. I, I'm laughing, but you know. It's kind of it's that just, mad where you you're so upset with it you have to laugh. Yes, exactly. I'm I'm turning almost as red as Gage's hoodie down there in my face. You <laughs> can see it. Like I am, like this is a big deal, man. This is yeah. huge. We were talking uh, on the last episode. I was um, that hockey is like on the uptick. Like it's great to see, but this is just gonna level everything. They yeah, gained. another it, setback. And it's going to be massive this time. It's not just because if you black out on local teams and teams can't get out to their games unless you go to one, how is you just not going to build the sport? Into being how are you going to make money? Yeah, yeah. And you can't build the sport into this big entity and we will never see anything close to the big three being the MLB, NBA, and the NFL. Yeah, and it's been. never going to happen. It oh, could yeah. have been back in the 80s. Like, I read an article that uh, the previous commissioner, Ziegler, decided he wanted to keep hockey a niche sport for whatever reason. Like, one quote that I've heard uh, more than anything, and it really sums up the NHL, and this is less of an NHL. This particular issue is less on the NHL, more on uh, the Sinclair Sports Group. Um, the NHL loves to punt money. And I've seen that, seen that a lot. Like we've lost a season and a half of NHL hockey. I'm talking about the 0405 lockout. That entire season was gone. And that really ushered in a new era of hockey, changed the game completely. Um, and then the 2012-13 lockout wiped out half a game, half a season. You only had 48 games. Um, I think this is more comparable to the 0405 lockout because at that time you saw the NHL transition from ESPN and Fox, major Fox sports to uh, OLN, the outdoor network and uh, NBC. And I think it's called, it was versus now it's NBC sports, but it just went from easily accessible. The game was growing in the nineties and early two thousands to the game's off TV. Nobody's watching. It didn't help that the game in the 90s and early 2000s called the dead puck era. It wasn't very much fun to watch anyway. So when it went off TV, like it just lost a lot of viewership. It killed hockey for a couple years. And it's taken a while to get back to where they're at. And this is just going to hamper it even more. Like Bally's already uh, – I've already seen the regional blackouts – on there, which are mandated by the NHL. Um, so that hampers your viewership everywhere else. And when you're trying to build a fan base, 
but they can't watch their teams. It's just, it's tough. And that's kind of what Bally Sports has been doing. And with them going out, uh, with them going bankrupt, you're going to have to find another platform to broadcast those games on. I've seen, I said it, I think last time we brought this up, Joe, I said ESPN Plus would be stupid not to jump on this. Stupid Absolutely. not to sign an agreement with these teams because we're already moving to streaming anyway. Like people are all yeah. in on streaming now. Like sites like Hulu, Prime, ESPN, you know, Amazon TV, Prime, or... YouTube TV. Like Ooh, yeah, yeah. It, the NHL used to be on YouTube TV until Bally Sports took over for Fox Sports, and then they pulled it off of there, it made it harder to get to. Imagine the NHL making it harder to find its product. But uh, makes no sense. It's just no sense. It's just counterintuitive to every bit of marketing ever. Hey, let's make this so difficult to find that no one, no one will ever find it unless you know exactly where to look. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's looking like the O, what the O five O six lockout again. Like O four O five. Like the two thousand twenty three two thousand twenty four hockey season like is in legitimate danger at this point. Yeah. Like I unless something like they work out a deal real quick in the off season. Or ESPN Plus jumps on it, which I also agree they should do. Like, oh, I would sign up in a heartbeat. It could be real, like, like a real full season lockout again. Yeah, absolutely. I think also Gary Bettman being the commissioner in the NHL for forty years also probably should make some time for him to go. Get some new blood in there because the this shit can't happen. This can't happen anymore. But that's all the time we have for today. Obviously, like I said at the beginning of this episode, this episode was sponsored by StubHub, one of our affiliates. StubHub.com has all your sports, concert, and theater tickets for as low as $6. You can Obviously, if you're a hockey fan and your, your hockey team is covered by Bali Sports and you want to go see some hockey games, use StubHub. They have the tickets for you to go there to go be able to watch your team and be able to see the hockey you want to see. Obviously, we have other other affiliates as well. I want to give a big shout-out to sportsmobilia.com. Whether you have a sports fan in your life or you are the sports fan in your life, sportsmobilia.com has all the sports mobility you could possibly want and need. And finally, speaking of a, t- of, of a, of a TV uh, streaming service that you could get, we are affiliated with Fubo TV. Fubo TV, if you're watching this, pick up NHL, man. We need some places to watch our, our stuff. I will literally get a subscription right now. I don't need any more streaming services, but I will get one to watch my hockey. But we have Fubo TV as an affiliate, live sports, and all the major channels. No uh, free DVR, no contract requirements, monthly subscription. Go get yourself some Fubo TV. Obviously, watch some hockey, and we'll see here you here next time on the crease. I'm into the brick house. I'm here with Joe and I'm here with Nick and we're talking all things all-star weekend and we're talking about a first half recap as well and we're also going to talk about a few notable buyouts. That-